Hi Teamsters, I'm Carrie Ann. And I'm Allison, and this is Podcast Without an Audience. Where two friends pick two topics and find intersections. <laughs> or not. <laughs> How are you? How's your week? How's your life? How's your heart? Girl, this week has been cuckoo bananas. Cuckoo kachoo. Also, cuckoo kachoo. Also, I have um uh like allergies i think either that or i'm gonna infect you with some nursty but i was thinking <laughs> back to like i think it was um episode three for this season when i did um north korean defectors part three uh-huh. i had like a little bit of like a like a thing, thing. Mm-hmm. yeah and when i was when we were recording i was like i don't think it sounds like i just i sound weird and then i listening back on it i was like oh yeah like yeah. you you sound you a like sick. a little sick <laughs> So, hopefully I sound okay. I feel a little nasally. Um, other than that, oh, you burped a little I'm bit. I'm a little burpy. <laughs> <laughs> I love the move away from the mic to burp. That's I've very learned. respectful. Learned. Did you, you turn your phone off this time? I Can you silence so. your cell phone? This is like being in a movie theater, Karen. <laughs> Put it on Do Not Disturb. Should we review the rules again? If you all only knew how many times my phone went off last time we recorded. Oh, they know. Probably, because it's probably included in the... Mm, we I haven't hope, listened to the... Hopefully Jacob cut out <laughs> most of it. If not, this bitch, her phone went off. <laughs> Literally, it was like six times. Okay. Okay, so, we get that you're popular. That's fine. Well, I have a lot of alarms set because mm-hmm. I forget everything all the time. Um, so, like, <laughs> so I have an says. alarm to call people. And I have mm-hmm. an alarm to give my cat Moby meds, even mm-hmm. though he is no longer on meds, actually. Oh, so I maybe we just could, forgot like... to turn off the alarm, <laughs> and now I just silence it rather than turning it off. It goes off every day at 8.30 a.m. and p.m. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. So it's become my, like, wait, late wake-up alarm because my meetings start at 9. Uh-huh. So, are you still in bed at eight thirty? Sometimes. Oh, I'm so jealous. What? I work from home. It's the greatest thing. Oh my god, I'm working from home tomorrow. It's it's a great way to spend a Friday working from home. I can wake up. We're recording on a Thursday. Um, if I am record, if I'm uh, recording from home, if I'm working from home, I can walk the dog in the morning, and it's like a really beautiful morning for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's lovely. We, so, when the kids are in school, we will get them up and, like, get them to school, get home, and then go for a walk before we start work. Yeah. And that's a really great routine, but it's the summer, and who the fuck wants to wake up that early? So, we sleep in most days now. Good. I think having an off-season is perfectly normal. I think so, too. We are not robots. We follow our own whims. Interesting. Do what feels right in your heart. Yeah. That's what I always say. I mean, we're I old, that. right? I mean, we're we're in our 30s. Okay. Speaking of being old, I have to tell you, there's a new TikTok trend. Stop talking about TikTok. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. But all these, uh, so there's this age filter. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. So it's, is it now on Instagram Reels? Is that where you saw yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's made yeah, its way yeah, to yeah, Reels yeah. now. <laughs> Um, but dermatologists keep coming on. They're like, actually, yeah, this one's pretty accurate. Oh, no. Yeah. So I turned it on. No. And at first I looked at myself and I was like, oh, my gosh, I've got to moisturize more, which is literally what everyone else is saying. Sure. 
But then I stared at this like old face mm. looking back at me. I was like, she looks like she has just lived this very full life. Like I had these big smile lines mm-hmm. and, um, you know, cute little crow's feet from mm-hmm. like the squinty eyes because mm-hmm. I get squinty eyes when I'm smiling really hard. And I was just like, oh, I can't wait to know her. Yay! And I just had this, like, whole really emotional reaction to seeing this, like, old version. I'm tearing up again. I know. I know. Like, it was very sweet. I know. Yeah. I think, yeah, there's a, there's a, um, a pressure. Yeah. On women. Uh Uh-huh. To age a certain way. To age a certain way. Yeah. And, and I think it's beautiful. We should all be so excited and feel so lucky to still be here. Well, I think the coolest thing is, like, looking at it, I saw, like, little bits of my dad, like, in the way that he is aged, Mm -hmm. and I saw little bits of my mom, and Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my goodness. And I saw a little bit of my grandmother. Oh, that's really special. And it was just the sweetest thing. I looked at it, I was like, she looks like she's lovely. Mm -hmm. Um, She looks like she knows the names of trees and Mm -hmm. likes to be outside and go for hikes. Like, that's the type of old lady I looked like. Oh, my God. And she's, like, the best grandma. She's the best grandma. You've ever fucking seen. Oh, my gosh. She always has, like, warm cookies ready whenever Uh, they show up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Are you, like, a chocolate chip or, like, an oatmeal? What's your deal? I love... Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I love uh, Snickerdoodle. Oh, I'm that's a such a good one. Yeah. Followed up, what's the word? Second place. Runner up. R- runner up, but also like in a very polarizing opinion, runner up. Uh, I love oatmeal raisin. I do too. And I white do too. Chocolate macadamia nut. Yes. Like, I like the old lady flavors. Yeah, Those yeah, are yeah. my favorite. Which, which makes sense. Yeah. Because uh, I'm going to be a sh- super badass old lady. The shoe fits. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So at Thanksgiving, what are your pies? Are you pecan or are you pumpkin? Because both of those can exist together, you know? They can. So I'm a sweet potato. Okay, see, that was not an option. I don't know that we can be friends. (laughs) (laughs) So I grew up, um, we had this lady who took care of me and my brother for years. Her name is Marge. Shout out to Marge. Oh, shout out to Marge. Fuck yeah. Isn't that a great name? Um, you just can't name somebody Marge. Right, anymore. You, I mean, we should. Yeah. Everyone listening, name Your daughter Marge. Marge. Yeah. So Marge um, was around, oh my gosh, all the time. And she made sweet potato pies every year for Thanksgiving and mm. Christmas and like just around that season in general. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And um, she always told us they were pumpkin pies. So one year we go to my grandmother's house, who actually has a pumpkin pie, Mm -hmm. and I was not impressed. Mm -mm. I was like, Mom, Marge's pie is so much better. Mm -hmm. And she... My mom made some comment about them like being different kinds of pies, and I could like both. I was like, no, they're both pumpkin. What are you talking about? And she was like, Marge's is sweet potato. And it ruined it. It just rocked your world. It did. So now I'm a huge fan of sweet potato, but pumpkin pie is too sweet. Pumpkin pie is too sweet. Good mm-hmm. to know. See, yeah. um, I've never had a sweet potato pie, period. Well, in that case, I don't know that we can be friends. Sure. That's fair. I know I'm judging you on something. That's just, I'm, I'd like to, <laughs> apo- I like to formally apologize. Pumpkin pie is just so important to my family. Yeah. And pecan pie too. Like my sister has inherited like the really 
like important task yeah. of like making Aww. all of those things like sh- that's her yeah yep and none of that got rolled nobody's asked me to do anything by the way <laughs> nobody's been like god there's this really big void that we need filled and we think that you would be can the best you, candidate can you make the pasta salad no no pa- for, pa- wait <laughs> thanksgiving pasta salad yes you'll what do the pasta fu- salad you're the whitest person <laughs> i've ever met in my life thanksgiving pasta salad we have pasta salad all the time for everything. Wow. Isn't that a Midwestern thing? I don't know. I So, disclaimer, I make a different kind of pasta salad than my grandmother did. I was going to say, is it filled with jello and marshmallows and shit? That was the other grandmother. Okay, got it. So, Sorry, one no grandmother, disrespect to the grandmas. <laughs> one grandmother put everything in jello. The other one put mayonnaise in everything. And mine's more of an Italian situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gotten rave reviews. That's great because, you know, the Italians, the Native Americans, and the Colonials all sat down <laughs> together to break bread. So that's really, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah we have three different types. I Pick love that poison. we're like four months early for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, but it I is. Mean, ooh, you know, this year we should bring people along and celebrate Thanksgiving and like post pictures of our pies and... The things that your sister makes, the things that my friends make, because you and I don't actually bake. <laughs> we don't do shit. We show up. We bring charisma. Oh, for sure. Also, Ray says he's cooking Thanksgiving dinner all by himself. Have I told you this? No. So we're hosting Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. um, which will be the first year we're hosting because we actually have room now. We're in the house. Um, so Ray has decided that he is going to cook Thanksgiving dinner. Wow. And I am going to let him. I am so proud of you. Because guess what? What? I didn't sign myself up for this, <laughs> right? If he wants to cook Thanksgiving dinner, I am so happy to suggest timing, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, considering that this man does not cook. Uh-huh. Um, but I think he's, like, really super stoked about it. So I'm, like, going to be, you know, supportive and just you know be there as much as i can be i love that yeah. i love that did i tell you that this past year i hosted thanksgiving dinner no yes at the apartment or no the house? no at the house okay so we had my dad my brother my brother's girlfriend um and a few other people um over for thanksgiving and rather than making like a whole bunch of shit I made a uh, chicken pot pie and a Ooh, vegan chicken pot pie. Beautiful. And then made like two sides to go with it and a salad. And it was perfect. Perfect. We don't, we don't got to do all this extra shit. No, you can make the one thing. The nice thing about pot pies is that they just have a little bit of everything in them. So mm-hmm. you get your corn and your peas and what your cheese, mm-hmm. a meat, whatever else you want to put on top your of gravy, it. Your, your gravy. Your gravy. Your graham cracker curls. <laughs> <laughs> and your cranberry sauce. Secrets in the sauce. Secrets in the sauce. If you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I made um, this uh, chicken pot pie and then I kept a little bit of the chicken pot pie stuffing and uh, it's in the freezer. So I've pulled it out and made a secondary Wow, good for you. Thank you. I love that we're so focused on just... Food? 
Well, and nothing that's, like, relative to this time at all. But for people who are listening later, they're going to be like, oh, my God, I'm, like, listening to this at Thanksgiving. And, like, totally makes sense. We could repost this at Thanksgiving. We could repost this at Thanksgiving. In fact, we should. We shall, potentially. And we will. That's a big promise for a few months from I know. now. Let's make Listen, a note my brain and circle back to Scrambled it. eggs. Yeah, but we can certainly, like, post pictures 100%. on Thanksgiving. And what we know for certain is that we're here to talk about psychology and history. And so let's dive right in. And so let's do that. So, Oh, oh, my God. We haven't even talked about the Bloody Marys. Speaking of drinks and I Thanksgiving. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Last week, we made such a big deal about drinking the Bloody Marys. And I've been sitting here sipping on it the whole time. Uh-huh. And we haven't said shit. And it's so good. It's delicious. There's a picture on the pod for yep. the pod. Yeah, we 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 posted the the image of the Bloody Mary specifically with the yellow, uh, not yellow, red and white straw. Yep, yep. The it straws, okra, okra. Mm-hmm. The straws, what? I stole the straws from the chocolate factory at Universal Studios. I was really hoping that you were going to share that with the people <laughs> because that's what made it extra special for me. Yeah, I just took a couple because I thought they were so beautiful. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. Um, and I hope you have a few more to last us. I did. For the I, next few Bloody I grabbed Marys. a handful. I was There was some judgment from some people that saw, but. What? It is what it is. Well. Sue me. Sue, I mean, don't sue me, but. Right. Blah, blah. Um, I think they were just jealous that they didn't think about doing it first. Mm-hmm. Before we start, can you pass me another beer? Yeah. Thank you. You may start. Okay. So, um, let me adjust the boot. Hang on. Did we talk about the boot? No. What are we doing? Man, we were so focused on Thanksgiving and shit that we forgot about all the things we were actually supposed to talk about. Um, I'm in a boot. I fell. I hurt my big toe. Do you know how insulting it is to hurt your big toe? Mm -hmm. It's an important toe. I get it. And I'm just like... I feel so silly as an adult saying, I hurt my toe. I hurt my toe. My biggie toe. I went to the doctor for my toe. <laughs> but you look great. I mean, you're pulling thank it off you. really well. Thank you. Thank me. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank me. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading my notes. <laughs> also, I was like, can you hand me another beer? And I meant the Bloody Mary mix. That's how, that's, that's that's how we're doing. I literally knew it, exactly what you right. meant, though. So... Well, today, I'm starting a two-parter. Oh, my God! <laughs> That's it's so great! It's like a sequel, and this one's the prequel. In which case, I don't know what's in the middle. <laughs> okay, I'm starting a two-parter. Initially, I was not planning on doing a two-parter. was just going to do a deep dive into hypnosis. <gasps> but then I started my notes. Right. And I just realized there was way too much to unpack. So we're going to go back in time. Rather than going into the future... Or mm-hmm. into the void, we're mm-hmm. going to go into the past. Perfect. History, some might say. <laughs> <laughs> Anastasia's journey to the past. That's what we're about to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Back to the future. Okay. Normally, we're going back to ancient Greece, and we will a little bit today. However, we are going to start in ancient Egypt. Yes. Finally. Uh, right? right. My... Uh, Second episode two is ancient Egypt. <gasps> it is King Tut, Tutankhamun, baby. Tutankhamun. 
So that would be the prequel to this. Got it. Okay. And this will be the prequel to next week's episode. We should start a podcast. That feels like a series. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very niche. Um, so ancient Greece, surprisingly, did not hold a monopoly on knowledge. They just have a lot of writings and said a lot of shit. History is really whitewashed, as we know. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, we see the ancient Greeks as being more white, quote unquote, than others, which is my theory as to why we listen to the ancient Greeks and then Mm -hmm. forget about so many other ancient civilizations who had so much to contribute. Sure. Which is why we're going back to ancient Egypt. Um, Oh, God, there's so much there. Yes. And I can't wait to tell you about it. Yay. So... Research suggests that ancient religious and healing ceremonies have had elements of hypnosis, including rhythmic chanting, monotonous drum beats, and strained fixations of the fixations of the eyes. It definitely says fixations in my notes. <laughs> Pretty sure it meant to say fixations of the eyes, um, which helped the village shaman or priest induce a trance-like state. Mm. The ability to achieve the state gave the shaman an appearance of having magical and mythical powers given to them by the gods. So we're laying some groundwork here. Um, you and I do not know how to get people into hypnosis or a hypnotic state. Don't. <clears throat> Though this is something that's still practiced. like, And that's what we're going to be talking about next week. Um, but... Think about, like, taking ourselves back to ancient Greece, ancient Egypt, ancient... Times. Times. Um, They saw this as a gift from the gods. So hypnosis, or suggestion therapy, has been traced back over 4,000 years... Jeez. ...to the ancient Egyptian priest Imhotep, which means he comes in peace. Mm. So Imhotep is a super interesting guy, Mm -hmm. okay? Um... We're going to talk a little bit more about him, but first, the ancient Egyptians used healing sanctuaries to heal people with all sorts of problems. So they, at this time, were still thinking of people as being uh, physical, mental, and spiritual or psychological beings Mm -hmm. all rolled into one. They were not pulling these three things apart and trying to treat each one separately. Right. Which is why you're buried with all your stuff. Exactly. Your organs are taken out, but for the most part, everything else is together. Right. And they saw so much. And this is still how um, Eastern religions view people. It's not that we're treating your physical body. It's that we're treating your entire body. Right. Sure. Mm. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, 4,000 years ago. They started setting up these sanctuaries where people would come to heal. Now, 4,000 years ago, um, there were no hospitals. There were no, um, like, this was the the first written, recorded place that people would come to heal. So mm-hmm. we're considering to be this to be the first hospital. Oh, I love it. However, at the time, they were called sleep or dream temples. Oh, isn't that cool? Wow. So when you need to heal, you go to the dream temple. Huh. Brilliant, right? So in these temples, the sick per- person would be put into a trance through chanting um, 
or just whatever it takes to get Meditative into a place of hypnosis. State, yep. sure. And then the priest and priestess would interpret the person's dreams to gain knowledge about their illness and find a cure for them. Wow. Yeah. In this way, sleep temples were hospitals um, and would heal a variety of things. Uh, we can assume that they were that many were what we would consider to be psychological issues in nature. Mm-hmm. However, people would go there for anything and everything. Patients would be taken into an unlit chamber to sleep and be treated for their ailment. In addition to hypnosis, treatment also included meditation, fasting, baths, and sacrifices to the patron, deity, or other spirits. Mm-hmm. Okay. Due to the nature of these dream temples and their impact, the ancient Egyptians uh, worshipped the priest Imhotep, um, who became known as the earliest physician. Oh, cool. So this is... it. it is really commonly believed that our guy Hippocrates is the first physician, mm-hmm. right? No, like, fuck Hippocrates. Fuck Hippocrates. <laughs> this guy lived like 2,000 years before Hippocrates. Yeah. So this is the first written, recorded father of uh, medicine. Like way, way long yeah. time ago days. He was also the chief minister and vizier to Pharaoh Dozer in the 3rd century BCE. God. And the high priest of the sun god Ra. <gasps> Ra! We've talked about We've Ra! We've talked about Ra. I'm so glad when we like both lay groundwork for a topic and I then know. it comes full circle. It's We're so like, exciting. Oh, Ra? Like, I know him. We talked about him. Also, in the Prince of Egypt, there's like Ra. Yeah. Yeah. Ra. Ra. Um, he's believed to have designed one of the earliest pyramids. Okay, so let me back up because I wrote my notes a few days ago. <laughs> so, and then I listened to a YouTube video. So, our guy Emotep mm-hmm. um, is basically considered to be the first genius in recorded history. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Shout out to you. So, not only is he the first physician, he established dream temples and like set a precedent there. Um, he was also a mathematician, he was also an architect. Like, this guy did a little bit of everything. I love that. In addition to being a high priest for the sun god Ra and a vizier to the pharaoh Dozier. Mm-hmm. So, as a, an architect, he is believed to have designed one of the earliest pyramids, the Step Pyramid, um, and is later regarded as the Egyptian god of medicine. Mm. So, okay. he he developed the <clears throat> Step Pyramid for pharaoh Dozier, and is one of the only people who is not a pharaoh whose name is inscribed on um, a pyramid. Wow. Yeah. So, so very important. This guy's a big deal. He lived in the 27th century BCE, which is a long fucking time ago. And we don't know a ton about him. What we can assume from the way that he was buried is that he was a writer and wrote um, all of these quote-unquote wisdom texts. In fact, there's um, some historians suggest that he wrote the very first like case study textbook for medicine, which included I think 42, 46, 48, 40-something examples of medicine. Wow. Yeah. So this is like the first um, written down how do you fix problems wow. kind of thing. 
he was among the first non-royal Egyptians who were dignified after their deaths and achieved um, a higher status mm-hmm. after death. Wow. So most of the time, like anyone other than pharaohs yeah. were sort of forgotten. Uh, Imhotep was not. Mm-hmm. In fact, several hundred years after he died is when he was ris- when he rose to this level of god or demigod. Don't you hate that? I know. Van Gogh was the same way. Bless his heart. So, according to the myth that later developed, Imhotep's mother was a mortal named Keridu Ankh. She too was revered as a demigoddess. He was also known as the son of Ptah, and who uh, was the god of architecture. Mm. And his mother was supposed to be the patron of Upper Egypt whose consort was Ptah. So, like, there's this mythology associated with Imhotep that was made up after he died because Mm -hmm. we don't know, like, there's no recorded history of who he was prior to being the vizier to Dozier. Um, But still very interesting. Mm -hmm. Did you go through a mythology phase? Like, Greek, Roman, Egyptian... Never. Other than Prince of Egypt, where we learned about Ra. <laughs> you know, I didn't. Really? No. That surprises s- me a little bit. I know. I know. You seem like you would have gone through an Aphrodite phase or something. I was more interested in, like, um, I think religion's always been, like, yeah. my my thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, Imhotep has another claim to fame. His name was used, and his character was, I think, loosely modeled for the priest who became the mummy in the latest mummy film. The latest mummy film? I think so. (gasps) Pending when the article was written that I read. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if it was 1997, maybe. Right. But, oh, interesting. Yeah, so uh, check out Emotep. I don't know how historically accurate it is, um, because I did not see the mummy. And what? I've never seen any of the mummy films. What? What? What the fuck? Why is are that you? surprising to what? you? They're so good. Really? Yes. I'll think about it. Oh my god, they're so good. Have they're, you not seen the the TikToks or the whatever? It's like switching sides. Everybody's fucking gorgeous. Oh, they're beautiful. I've seen like pictures of them. I've just never seen the movies. They always seemed like a little creepy to me, and I don't do creepy. Yeah, so he is the the mummy from yes. the original mummy franchise. Not the latest mummy. Not the, the latest first mummy. mummy. The, the the OG mummy. The OG mummy. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that case, I was wrong, but don't hold it against me because, again, I've never seen the mummy. That's fair, but you should. Movie night? Write that down. Yes, ma'am. All right, so back to psychology. Yes. Uh, So these temples, uh, the dream temples, were built by and in honor of Emotep. And they were used in a way that we would currently describe as psychotherapeutic. People would come to these temples and would be put into a hypnotic state through incantations and other religious rituals. Remember, this is, again, also back when the differentiation between body and mind was not as clear as it is in current Western medicine. So folks who were sick would seek out healing of this nature, even though they didn't have the same understanding of mental health that we do. This Western separation of body, mind, and spirit, 
I think is really damaging in that way. Um, so folks would be put to sleep and would be influenced by suggestions, quote unquote, in the hope of provoking dreams sent by the gods. The priests mm-hmm. would then interpret the dreams of the person and cast out bad spirits from the mind and body of the sick. So it was not only like this power of suggestion and of healing and the spiritual religious experience, but it was also dream analysis and like understand trying to get to the root of what was ailing people um, and believing that the gods could come to you through your dreams. So was the strategy like we allow you to sleep in the sleep clinic and then you wake up and you we document your dreams kind of thing? So it was a little bit of documentation and a lot of analysis. So observation of the person. Uh Uh-huh. And then you get the person's point of view for what they remember their dreams to be. Right. And then they just, like, dig all up in that. Yeah. And then you're healed. Mm. So they just, do they tell you you're... So then you experience healing, I suppose. But remember, there's a, there's a difference between, for us, there's like the strong difference between physical, mental, and spiritual mm-hmm. healing. Um, and that's different than how they were perceiving it. So you may not be sent there for a broken bone, but for your humors being malaligned, which, sure. right, happens to all of us from time to oh, time. Absolutely. I can't <laughs> tell you how many, if I had a quarter. Right. So they're they're um, facilitating the treatment as the person is sleeping. Yes. So through suggestion and then as they awaken, it's through dream analysis and additional suggestion. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So there's a conversation after the person awakes. Yes. To dissect what has happened, and and then they go on their way. Right. And unlike Freud, it's not just your mother didn't love you and you want to have a lot of sex. It's actually like, this is what, or what do you think the dream meant? And mm-hmm. then analyzing it, and what did the gods tell you in your dream? Right. And what do you think? I, I'm making some assumptions here. Sure. But based on what I read, it was more of a, like, the gods will tell you how to heal. You just need the priest to help, like, be the intermediary. Yeah. Translate. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So naturally, um, because we're talking about ancient history and psychology, we can't get too far without talking about the Greeks. So in Greece, thousand years later, some hundred years later, I don't remember exactly when. Sleep temples also began began to crop up. Oh, I bet they did. And were renowned as places of great healing and were dedicated to the healing god. Um, according to the Google robot, it's Asclepius. <laughs> She's so sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is the Greek version of Emotep. This is the god of medicine. Okay. Um, Asclepius was also a healer and his myth mythical roots go back to the second century bce um he too was a demigod or god the temples built in his honor were temples of healing dreams so very similar same guy his daughters he had two daughters uh hygieia and panacea and a uh klein was the sacred place where folks would come and lay out around the temple 
these are important um, because these are the names where we have derived the words panacea, hygiene, and clinic. Oh, penicillin. Very similar, yes. So that's a fun fact. So even though our guy Emotep over in Egypt does it first, Mm -hmm. his daughters don't get recognized in any modern-day words. Sure. Our guy Asclepius... He's so asclepy, and yet he's <laughs> so recognized. Yeah. So his daughter, Hygieia, becomes hygiene. So wow. Oh, yeah. Yep. So very cool. Very cool. Similar to what's going on in Egypt, healing would take place while the person was in a deep trance-like sleep, and the god would prefer- perform miraculous cures in the dreams, or would suggest cures. The sleep would then be brought upon... Or the sleep would be brought upon by priests who use chanting magical spells to put the patient into a trance, and the person would be kept in this state for up to three days. Oh wow! Which is a long nap. Yeah, it is. What do you? Where do you go to the bathroom? I don't know. Okay, that's it's, a great question. Maybe this is also when catheters were invented. <laughs> I like to see that data. <laughs> During which time, the priest would use suggestions to help the person through their dreams make contact with the god and obtain a cure for their illness. These temples were believed to be a place of spirits and mysterious powers where people could find mental and physical healing. Fun fact, this is still happening. Like, these places are still around Mm -hmm. in parts of the Middle East and Africa, except now we're calling them shrine sleep. Instead of temples and dream temples. Sure. It's now called shrine sleep. So retrospectively, we're going to call the folks who go into these temples seekers. A seeker would have something on their mind, an ailment, an issue, or just questions that they would like to have insight upon or insight into their problems through contact with the healing god, whichever healing god, Egyptian or Greek or other. And they would hope to have a vision or revelation that would heal, guide, or provide comfort. In Greece, the path to these temples were often lined with marble and carved with inscriptions of all the miracle cures and healing that had taken place in that temple. It was claimed that people were cured of incurable diseases. The lame could walk, the blind could see. That sound familiar? Mm-hmm. So we're going to take a quick religion detour because why wouldn't we? It's sounding a little bit like Jesus in churches, right? Jesus being the healer, the churches being a place where folks go for healing. So it's interesting how the origins of these religions and spirituality may have started out so similarly and are currently in such different places. Like we look at this as being like a woo-woo, you know, they knew so little, except that this is still how folks show up in churches with Jesus. Um. Anyways, I just thought it was an interesting, pre-Jesus, there were folks who claimed to cure the lame and uh, bring sight to the blind. There's not a monopoly on healing or truth. Also, if we think about modern-day meditation and how folks are finding healing and mindfulness, like, all of this still tracks. Western medicine has convinced us that we need to treat the mind, body, and spirit individually, but a lot of these ancient cultures and continued beliefs disagree. Even modern-day folks can vouch for the effectiveness of meditation and hypnosis, but we talk about that more next week. Back to the Seekers. 
They did not just go to the temple. They had to wait for the right time to come. So they had to learn rituals and perform rites of purification to cleanse the body and mind and soul. They would meditate fast, take baths, and often make sacrifices to the god even prior to coming to the temple. Currently, we're talking about the Greeks, but this is almost verbatim what was going on in Egypt a thousand, two thousand years before. When the signs and omens looked right, um, they were then allowed to enter the main parts of the temple for healing. The main temple had a large floor area and sacred alcoves to the side where they could unroll their, quote, sacred skin, yoga mm. mat, and, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and would sleep and dream of the Greek god or Egyptian god healing them. A good dream would be one in which the god would cure the wound by touching it. And when the seeker awoke from the dream, the attendant would spend time with them reviewing the visitation from God and helping them to explore the dream and secure the insights appropriate to that seeker at their stage of development. So the seeker would dream and the attendant would help to make sense of their dream. And through that time, the seeker was able to, quote, awaken to his real self and in doing so, regenerate himself physically, mentally and spiritually. All of this sounds, as we said earlier, a little Freudian, but people have been trying to understand dreams since the beginning of recorded history and probably before, and we talked about that last week too. The temples both in Greece and Egypt also developed understandings of herbs and their usage. It's well documented in Greece that they would use herbs to develop tinctures and medicines, and the priests of the temples would make up prescriptions for those medicines. Now we're going to pop over and check out the ancient Hebrews. Yes. Because why wouldn't we? They also used meditation and chanting, breathing exercises, and a fixation on Hebrew letters of the alphabet that spelled the name for the god that they were worshiping, or for, I'm sorry, that spelled the name for God, which would induce an ecstasy state called Kavana, which is also similar to hypnosis. And the Talmud this implies relaxation, concentration, and correct attention. People such as firewalkers and priests who use these religious practices, and including laying hands to make people faint to the floor, were also using forms of hypnosis to bring an altered state of consciousness. So this continued to expand and grow. Um, later touching the Romans, the Romans dedicated their sleep temples to the god Apollo, and sleep temples even got as far as Great Britain. In the UK, you can still visit a Roman archaeological site at Lindney Park in Gloucestershire, where you can see the remains of a sleep temple Mm. to this day. Cool. So super, super cool. And more on hypnosis next week. Oh, my God. I love it. Just like a toe dip in the the waters of hypnosis. I know. So I started recording or started researching hypnosis and Emotep's name came up and they were like, he's the first physician and also like the first psychologist and first architect and first genius. I'm like, holy shit, who is this guy? (laughs) We need to know about him. Yes. I'm so glad we do. Yeah. God. That's the that's like the worst thing about history is that, again, we talk about it all the time, but it's just like whoever writes it down first yeah. is the winner. And there are so many people who so many, you know, uh, cultures who were doing very similar, if not the exact same thing at the same right. time or before. Right. Exactly. And credit should be given where credit is due. Absolutely. And I love that. Me too. Me too. I mean, we know from episode two 
you know, that Egypt is the heart of the culture and world, society. Yeah. Yes, a hundred percent. And I have a lot of lists of topics to cover for for you ancient know. Egypt. Yes. Oh, I'm sure. A hundred percent. I mean, it's absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Um, and so well documented. Think. I mean, well, you know, could well, there was a fire. We'll get we'll get to that at one point. But uh, luckily, a lot of things were saved in other areas. But yeah. Um, no. Well done. Thank you so much. I'm excited for next week too. Me too. Me too. Perfect. Okay. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we are talking about history. All righty. That was the world's longest break. (laughs) (laughs) It felt very short to me. Welcome back. Thank you so much. What is our history topic? Okay, okay. So we are, see, it's like hard to even describe. But today we're going to be talking about the first recorded case of death by male Cain and Abel. By like beep beep like ups (laughs) like you know delivery here's your shit mail okay not what i was expecting not by like the male race no the male race the male gender right they say the female race. is that not a thing race is well i know that (laughs) but it's just a saying i'm so sorry scratch that i love it keep it in okay keep it in Keep it in, Jacob. So our story starts on February 12th, 1891. So just before Valentine's Day. Sure, sure. A man by the name of John P. Dunning married a woman named Mary Pennington. Okay? Okay. Now, John was famous because he was a war correspondent at the time. Sure. And Mary was famous also because she was the daughter of John Pennington, who was a congressman. So Mary, the son of John, is with Everyone's John. famous. Okay. <laughs> so, not to brag. Right. But they were married in Dover, Delaware. Uh, <laughs> shout out. Shout out to my roots. Hey, um, hometown. So they of. were married in Dover. Right, not Delaware. Dover, but right, you know, right. the the teeny tiny state. state, correct. The first I mean, state, Del- Delaware is so small. How many cities are actually in Delaware? Like two? Let's not offend anyone. From Delaware? Right. Are you feeling offended? I am, because I know <laughs> at least one. Oh, I know at least five other cities. Thank you very much. Okay, okay, okay. My bad. But... So they they lived in Dover for a time, but then they moved uh-huh. to San Francisco because that's what you do to start your life, right? Change of scenery, right? And eighteen in the eighteen nineties, like where else do you go? Mm-hmm. But to San Francisco. So they had a daughter, and they moved into a big, beautiful house on California Street, which is the Ooh. most California Street of all of California that I've ever heard. Donald Trump would say so. <laughs> 
<laughs> so John enjoyed walking um, around the neighborhood and would make it a point to walk at night um, almost every day. Like in a or park night. nearby. Huh? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, he was like a big like mental health. I'm going to I'm going to take a walk. Sure. Uh, which I think we can all appreciate. You a know, stupid little walk for your mental health. <laughs> Do you remember it's that meme? It's such a fucking pain in the ass. It is. But that's what, you know, and also, like, at the time, it was, like, it was so hot inside. Like, you go out, you know, there's there's so many factors. But, like, you walk at night. That's It was just a thing. It still is a thing. It was a thing. And that's what, that's what he was doing. Yep. So, one afternoon or evening slash evening, um... On his walk, he came upon a woman who was sitting on a park bench. Okay? So, John did think that she was beautiful. Of course. Is John already married to Mary at this point? Yes. Okay. Married. Not great. They're married is married. But he comes across this woman who's beautiful. Yes, exactly. So he decides to throw caution to the wind and he decides to approach her. Mm. The two flirted for a little bit and she introduces herself as Curtis. Huh. Okay. Curdy Kurt. Hey. Cutie cute. So Curtis says that her husband, so she says that she's married. She says that her husband is away in England. Oh. So they went on a walk. Uh, They talked more about their families and her relationship with her husband. Her husband, who has the best name, his name is Welcome. 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 Isn't that, like, so cool? That's adorable. Welcome a Botkin. Not Watkins. Welcome Watkins (laughs) would be a hell of a name. Botkin. Welcome, Botkin. So, Curtis had gotten married to him in Kansas City in 1872. And Curtis ended up telling her new little squeeze, her new acquaintance, that she had a son who had also grown up, you know, who was also like an adult son. um, And that his name was Beverly. So, a a lot of gender bending. I love that. So (laughs) we have Curtis, Beverly, and Welcome. She also told him that her maiden name was Cordelia, which is where Curtis comes from. Cordelia Brown. Oh, Cordelia, Curtis. I see it. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. And that the town of Brownswith, Nebraska was named after her father. There are so many interesting names in the story. Mm-hmm, I feel like mm-hmm. that should be the entire topic of conversation. Right. That's it. Story's over. <laughs> so um, they're having this deep, intimate discussion about family and her past. And they're just like really, really bonding. Um, they would see each other again after their first like initial uh, meeting. But it made it easier because Mary took their infant son on a, a family trip to Delaware. And Curtis's husband was also out of town visiting his child. Oh. So everyone was out to play, so to speak. Sure, sure. So this gave the new couple time and space to be together. And without the Lord, it did not show them how to say no to this. 
Lord, I don't know how to say <laughs> no to this. <laughs> I was singing it in my head the whole time. I so. know, I know. So, so that works. That was beautiful. Thank Good you job. so much. <laughs> so in fact, uh, for the time being, Curtis moved into a temporary housing. So while everyone, all the spouses were abroad, Curtis moved into a temporary housing. And so did John to the same temporary housing, darling. Oh. So that they could be closer together. Uh-oh. I see this going badly already. Well, they're having an affair, so that's probably not great. So that would be why I see it going badly, in fact. So (laughs) during one of their late-night romps, they talk about their spouses, their relationships, and their preferences. And John mentions that Mary was quite fond of candy, sweets, and everything decadent. So they're having this, like, really intimate conversation about, like... I mean, they're having, like, a vulnerable moment. Like, Sure, sure. What is your spouse like? What do they like? Right. Are they kinky? Are they vanilla? And he's like, she's super vanilla, so vanilla that she likes candy. <laughs> sure, exactly. So, but I think, you know, never have I ever had an affair. Right, Write right. that down. But, like, you can't avoid talking about the elephant in the room, like, you have a spouse, right? Right, I'm sure right. That, like, that comes tracks. out, right? So, on March 8th, 1898, John was offered a position as a war correspondent with the Associated Press. Oh. Which required him to move to Puerto Rico. Okay, Puerto Rico. Rico. Beautiful island. Highly recommend. I'm obsessed. Yeah, we both. We obsess. Yeah. So, when told, you know, the news, Curtis was not excited so she did plead with him not to go um and in a shocking turn of events john tells curtis that he has no plans ever to return to san francisco like basically (gasps) like forget about me i'm moving on like you know do not collect two hundred dollars do not stop a go do not call me again don't text me you know sure so is he taking Mary with him to Puerto Rico? Mary is still in Delaware. So no. no. So he's going by himself. He's to going Puerto by Rico. himself. Okay. On his lonesy savvy, yeah. Um so on August 9th, one month later, uh, a small package arrives in Dover, Delaware, addressed to John Dunning. Addressed to John. Oh. In Delaware. In, right, who's in Puerto, Puerto Rico. Rico, yeah. Um, in the home at the time lived Mary, of course, his wife, uh, John's parents, mm-hmm. um, his son, his son-in-law, and two other young family like relatives, like sure. cousins and stuff. So at dinner, it was tradition to sit on the terrace and the uh, veranda for them to like visit and hang out and sip tea and drink brandy and talk and watch the sun go down and like it sounds all like so romantic right so this is when mary opens the gift that was addressed to her husband and to her surprise it was a decadent box of gourmet chocolates oh along with a handkerchief which of course like you gotta have something to wipe your sure, hands why on, not right yeah so she read the note out loud to her family, which read, With love to yourself and baby, Mrs. C. Mrs. Claus. Mrs. Claus, exactly. Yeah. 
So Santa's wife is sending her packages. Santa baby. Mary did not know a Mrs. C and didn't know who had sent this beautiful gift, you know, to her husband or to the family. Um, It set her at ease, of course, that the note appeared to be written by a woman. And of course, she did not suspect that there was any concern or any scorned lover of right, her husband. Right. So everyone took a piece of candy. Hmm. Everyone took a piece of chocolate with delight. Each family member remarked how delicious the candy was. This, however, was a momentary feeling. They all died, didn't they? Over the next few hours, all who ate the candy developed sharp stomach pains and food poisoning symptoms oh clever i know over the next few hours everyone recovered except for john's mother and the family friend who both died on (gasps) august 11th and 12th she killed his mom and family friend correct okay yeah not great Autopsy showed that these ladies died from arsenic <gasps> poison. Arsenic? Arsenic. Some men just can't, can't hold, hold their, their arsenic. So John's father, Mr. Pendington, examined the handkerchief on the box of chocolates, and he realized that the handkerchief matched another letter that they had arrived, like that they had received um, that was addressed to Mary like a few months ago. In the letter, it stated that John was having an affair with a woman in San Francisco. So, dad knew, but didn't tell anybody? Nobody told anybody. So, they got, like, an anonymous letter, like, hey, by the way, your son is, like, having an affair. BT dubs. And they're like, let's keep this. This is a family matter. Right, You know, let's just, like, keep it. Under wraps. Sure. Like, don't be ashamed. Surely nothing else is going to come of this. So the local chemist, whose name was Mr. Wood, oh. did an examination on the leftover candy that had not been eaten. He found that a large amount of arsenic was present in all of the pieces. John was notified by telegraph that his mother had been poisoned and he headed home to Dover immediately. It took only moments for him to recognize the handwriting on the letter. It was Curtis Botkins, his ex-lover. Of course it was. A detective was assigned to the case by the name of B.J. McVeigh. B.J. McVeigh. You're making these names up now. I'm not. B.J. was sent to San Francisco with the leftover candy and the note. Curtis was quickly located, and she was brought to San Francisco's police station. The circumstantial evidence was piling up against her. This entire story sounds made up so far. I know it's like a, it's like an, it's like a, <laughs> it's like Willie Nancy Wonka Drew. meets Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, it's a thing. Um, uh, she was identified by two witnesses who witnessed her purchasing the box of candy. One witness claimed that Curtis requested that the chocolate be placed in a, um, oh, in the fanciest box that they had to offer. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, coincidentally, 
didn't have the company's name on it right like coincidentally coincidentally so she's like i want the best that you have to offer but it didn't have the store's name on it she also requested that the box not be filled completely Hmm. and she would leave room so that she could add her own candy on top of the candy that was presented by the okay so not all the candy was fully laced with arsenic correct so john provided love letters that curtis had written and handwritten experts were able to testify that the same person who wrote these letters also wrote the note on the candy box wow curtis had also made another mistake she had forgotten to remove the store tag on the handkerchief. What? That was also included when she had mailed the candy. Okay. Mm-hmm. So she thought through like half of the scheme. Mm-hmm. And so th- they were also able to find witnesses who saw the her purchase the handkerchief as well. The pharmacist at Owl Drugstore positively identified Curtis as the woman who purchased two ounces of arsenic. (laughs) (laughs) Real casual, like. Which she claimed that she needed in order to bleach a straw hat. Is that how you bleach straw? Unclear. It's hard to say. Why wouldn't you just buy bleach? Why wouldn't? I don't don't know what was, like, available at the time. Sure, sure. I have no idea. That checks out. Um, But, like, apparently in, like, the 1880s, you could, like, buy arsenic. Right, right. With the right... uh, (laughs) With the right excuses. So, needless to say, she was probably guilty. We're allowed to say that now. It's, like, a gazillion years later, right? Yeah, sure. She's already been unsnapped. We can make all the assumptions (laughs) we want. So they attempted to extradite Curtis from California to Delaware for the trial because the murder actually happened in Delaware, which makes sense, right? I have a lot happening (laughs) here. Burping and yawning and it's 820. (laughs) I was up late. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, okay. I'm good now. Your turn. So she went to Delaware because that's where the murders happened. Well, they tried to get her to go to Delaware, but her attorney attempted to deny it based on, quote, lack of evidence. And therefore, like, so he's saying, like, because there's lack of evidence, the jurisdiction for the trial should be in California and not Delaware. And I don't know, like, the justice system. Like, I don't know the changes that have been since then like i i have no idea but um they ultimately decided that the trial should be in california so where the crime started versus where it ended correct i guess yeah the supreme jury decided that the jurisdiction for the trial should be in california so evidence was presented to the jury on october 28 1898 now remember that She's being, like, faced with the trial of murder. Murder, right. For two people, okay? Interestingly, on December 19th, while testifying, 
John refused to give the name of the woman that he had been intimate with outside of his marriage. So he refused to name her. He was found guilty of contempt because of this. Yep. And went to jail for a few days. Oh, okay. Well, sure. Sure. That's how the law works. So ultimately, uh, Curtis Botkin was found guilty and was sentenced to life in prison. On March 9th, Curtis's husband sued her for a divorce on the grounds that she had been convicted of a felony. Checks out. Naturally, right? This next part is wild. The next part is wild? Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm ready. My uterus is where it should be. (laughs) So before Curtis could be sent to... to the state prison, the Supreme Court had rendered a decision regarding a murder case of a man named Albert Hoff, who had been accused of murdering a woman. Okay. The Supreme Court ruled that because the evidence was all circumstantial, the circumstantial evidence does not hold the same weight as direct evidence because it can be fabricated. Because of this ruling... It was decided to obtain a new trial for Miss Curtis Botkins. All right. A retrial would mean bringing all of the Delaware witnesses back to San Francisco. But the second trial also resulted in the, in the same verdict of guilty in August of 1904. 1904? 1904. <laughs> 1904. <laughs> I mean, it seemed like a stretch to begin with, but cool, whatever. So, I think it's interesting, though, at the same time like they're they're talking about circumstantial versus like actual evidence right circumstantial sounds great like we can always argue anything yeah um but i do think that it was a good call and i didn't realize that this is kind of like when it happened right turn of the century yeah so her life sentence did begin on october 29th 1908 after the conviction of Miss Botkins, she was confined to the Branch County Jail, pending the decision of the higher court as far as what her circumstances were going to be like. There was like sure, other sure. things to determine, right? So one day, the judge who's like ov- who oversaw her trial was going into town to visit his wife's burial grave. So like his, he had lost his wife. Okay. He was like going into town to like yeah. visit her grave, right? So, who does he see when he's in town? John. It's Curtis. <gasps> I thought she was in jail. Who's supposed to be in jail. He sees her just... Frolicking? Out, frolicking amongst the people. So, Curtis was reported to be alone in the middle of town and unguarded. How is that possible? Exactly. So, he even watched her... And, like, followed her, and she was dropped off at the prison and just walked into the gates. Excuse me? hmm The next day, he instituted an investigation. He's like, why the fuck is this lady... For fuck sure. Just yeah. lollygagging a, a boot, right? Oat in a boot. It was speculated that Curtis who was a woman of many talents, was having a relationship with one of the guards, which we can probably... Sure. That track. Sure. Sure. Um, Which made total sense, since she 
had so many luxuries. She'd had a huge room at her facility um, and possibly been kind of let out. So she's essentially the Martha Stewart sure. of this 100%. penitentiary. Yeah. The guards possibly would allow her to leave the prison and go into the town for various shopping trips. She made friends with Snoop Dogg. Sure. And has like a line of vapes or whatever. So Curtis denies ever having been out of the building at any point. And of course, the guards weren't going to fess up to it either. No, of course not. Curtis even went as far as saying that if there was a woman who looked like, that there might be a woman who looked like her, and that must have been the woman who committed the initial crime. <gasps> mm-hmm. Except that the no one saw her do the crime. It was just... People saw it. No, pe- she had witnesses saying that she was at the candy shop, that she... Oh, oh, oh. Right? Got so you. she's okay, like, I'm well, back if, with there, you. if there's a woman who looks like me, like, obviously, that has to be the woman who, like, did, did the crime, right? Yeah. So, you know, that would have been the woman who purchased the candy and the arsenic and all that. Um, luckily, there there wasn't a retrial because of this. But, right. Um, her little trips to the market were eventually stopped. And she was even moved into a smaller cell after there was an earthquake and a fire that destroyed part of the jail. And it forced them to consolidate the larger cells and convert them into multi-cells. The rest of her life was um, probably as depressing as you can imagine for the early 1900s. Her mother, son, and former husband all died shortly after she was sent to prison. Aww. I know. She she started having some mental health issues, which were diagnosed as melancholy. She even applied for parole because of her health, but she was denied. Oh. On March 7th, 1910, she became unconscious and passed away. The death certificate shows that she died of softening of the brain due to melancholy. Aww. I'll let you diagnose that. She softening was, of the brain due to melancholy. I'll mm-hmm. add that to the list. Sure. She was 56 years old at the time of her death, but this is the story of the first death by male in the United States. That's fascinating and not in any way what I thought we were going to be talking about. Well, I'm here to surprise you. So I have a story to share with you. And I was actually hoping there'll be more of a tie-in, but there's not. So I'm going to share it with you anyways. (laughs) So my grandfather uh, was a mailman for many years. And he uh, he used to tell the story of, um, like, delivering baby chicks and, like, all the cute things he delivered. But one day he told the story of uh, delivering ashes. So in his oh mail God. truck, he had um, the ashes of a person who had died, and he was delivering them back to their family. I'm guessing this is, like, the 19... 19- 40s maybe 50s mm-hmm. 60s somewhere around there anyways um so so the story goes he picks up these ashes and he's on his mail route and all of a sudden he starts hearing singing and you know he's kind of annoyed by it actually so it's not great singing so he goes to turn down the radio in his uh um mail car like the car he's driving turns down the radio turns turns out the radio is already off 
but he hears the singing and it's just driving him up the wall. I mean, annoying the pants off of my grandfather. And the moment he delivers the ashes to the people, the family of this person, the singing stops. Hmm. And he was super creeped out by it, obviously. Absolutely. But just how weird that, I mean, he's not, he was not the kind of guy who would have believed in anything woo-woo or, you know, spiritual outside of church. But to have heard singing the whole way to this person's house and then to deliver these ashes and the singing immediately stops. So maybe that's the link up. Link up there. Link up there about... (laughs) Um, spiritualism and mm-hmm. the understanding the of male and and the male. <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe about okay. So when you send a letter, okay, it's off to you. Ain't nothing but the cows new. Ain't nothing but what the cows new cows new. The cows we say that in my family. I don't know. <laughs> I can't say that I know that one. Okay. Well, look it up. Well, maybe I will. No. I don't know I'll, that it means anything. But I'll Google it. When you put your when you put your faith into the the um, the mail system, sure. Anything that you submit is going to, in theory, arrive at the destination. And I think maybe that is how they were feeling. Oh, that's beautiful. For the the You're sleep, setting your intention, dream, and yes. What a cool link up. Old and old tale. Old wives tale becomes mm. the link up. Mm-hmm. There we go. At the beginning, you are being intentional about uh, your experience mm-hmm. and the results uh, reflect that. Perhaps. I was going to say results may vary, but same thing. Sure. <laughs> Unclear. Sometimes shit gets lost, you know. In translation. Lost in translation, lost in the mail. Right, exactly. We've had a lot of Bloody Marys. Oh, my goodness. Yes, it's happening. Um, With that being said, thank you guys so much for joining (laughs) us. (laughs) This week, we are celebrating and uh, decompressing and all the things at the same time. And we hope that you guys are at the same time. Yeah. So feel free to check us out on Instagram. Send us a message. Let us know how you're doing. Um, if you've broken anything recently, fallen down the stairs, are also in a boot, um, I would love to hear from you personally because this whole big toe situation is really a pain in the right. butt. She feels very embarrassed, but she shouldn't. <laughs> um, also, if you have checked out our recipes, please let us know because we are so excited to have shared them with you all. Um, this Bloody Mary recipe is absolutely amazing. Um. So, run, don't walk. Check we love that you out. so much. Thank you guys so much for your support. If you support us, blink twice. And if you're out there, keep listening. Thank you for listening to Podcast Without an Audience. Find us on social media at Pod Without an Odd. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook, or find us on the web at podcastwithoutanaudience.com. Shoot us an email at podwithoutanodd at gmail.com. Our cover art is created by an actual angel, Ashley Acevedo. Our music is by Zach Smith and Ted Oliver. Editing by Jacob Beeson. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and all of our nerdy content. Please consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us today. Oh, and check out our Patreon for exclusive content and our pasta recipe. 
Again, thanks and keep listening.